Act Five of Much Ado About Nothing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Much Ado About Nothing by William Shakespeare. Act Five. Scene One. Before Leonato's house. Enter Leonato and Antonio. If you go on thus, you will kill yourself. It is not wisdom thus to second grief against yourself. I pray thee, cease thy counsel, which falls into mine ears as profitless as water in the Siev. Give not me counsel, nor let no comforter delight mine ear, but such a one whose wrongs do suit with mine. Bring me a father that so loved his child, whose joy of her is so overwhelmed like mine, and bid him speak to me of patience. Measure his woe the length and breadth of mine, and let it answer every strain for strain, as thus for thus, and such a grief for such, in every lineament, branch, shape, and form. If such a one will smile and stroke his beard, bid sorrow wag, cry him when he should groan, patch grief with proverbs, make misfortune drunk with candle-wasters, bring him yet to me, and I of him will gather patience. But there is no such man, for, brother, men can counsel and speak comfort to that grief which they themselves not feel. But tasting it, their counsel turns to passion, which before would give perceptual medicine to rage, fetter strong madness in a silken thread, charm ache with air and agony with words. No, no, tis all men's office to speak patience to those that ring under the load of sorrow, but no man's virtue nor sufficiency to be so moral when he shall endure the like himself. Therefore give me no counsel. My grieves cry louder than advertisement. Therein do men from children nothing differ. I pray thee, peace. I will be flesh and blood, for there was never yet philosopher that could endure the toothache patiently, however they have writ this style of gods, and made a push at chance and sufferance. Yet bend not all the harm upon yourself. Make those that do offend you suffer too. There thou speakest reason. Nay, I will do so. My soul doth tell me hero is belied, and that shall Claudio know. So shall the prince, and all of them that thus dishonor her. Here comes the prince and Claudio, hastily. Enter Don Pedro and Claudio. Good den, good den. Good day to both of you. Hear you, my lords. We have some haste, Leonato. Some haste, my lord. Well, fare you well, my lord. Are you so hasty now? Well, all is one. Nay, do not quarrel with us, good old man. If he could right himself with quarrelling, some of us would lie low. Who wrongs him? Mary, thou dost wrong me, thou dissembler thou. Nay, never lay thy hand upon thy sword. I fear thee not. Mary, beshrew my hand. If it should give your age such cause of fear, in faith, my hand meant nothing to my sword. Tush, tush, man, never fleer and jest at me. I speak not like a daughter, nor a fool, as under privilege of age to brag what I have done being young, or what would do were I not old. No, Claudio, to thy head, thou hast so wronged mine innocent child, and me, that I am forced to lay my reverence by, and with grey hairs and bruise of many days do challenge thee to trial of a man. I say thou hast belied mine innocent child. Thy slander hath gone through and through her heart, and she lied buried with her ancestors. Oh, in a tomb where never scandal slept, save this of hers framed by thy villainy. My villainy? Thine, Claudio, thine, I say. You say not right, old man. My lord, my lord, I'll prove it on his body if he dare, despite his nice fence and his active practice, his may of youth and bloom of lustihood. 
Away, I will not have to do with you. Canst thou so daft me? Thou hast killed my child. If thou killst me, boy, thou shalt kill a man. He shall kill two of us, and men indeed, but that's no matter. Let him kill one first. Win me and wear me. Let him answer me. Come follow me, boy. Come, sir boy, come follow me, sir boy. I'll whip you from your pointing fence, nay, as I'm a gentleman, I will. Brother. Content yourself. God knows I love my niece, and she is dead. Slandered to death by villains that dare as well as answer a man, indeed, as I dare take a serpent by the tongue. Boys, apes, braggarts, jacks, milksops. Brother Antony. Hold your content. What man? I know them, yea, and what they weigh, even to the utmost scruple, scambling, outfacing, fashion-monging boys that lie and cog and flout, deprave and slander, go antiquely, show outward hideousness, and speak of half a dozen dangerous words how they might hurt their enemies if they durst. And this is all. But, Brother Antony— Come, tis no matter. Do not you meddle. Let me deal in this. Gentlemen both, we will not wake your patience. My heart is sorry for your daughter's death, but on my honor she was charged with nothing but what was true and very full of proof. My lord, my lord— I, I will not hear you. No? Come, brother, away. I will be heard. And shall— or some of us will smart for it. Exeunt Leonato and Antonio. Enter Benedict. See, see, here comes the man we went to seek. Now, signor, what news? Good day, my lord. Welcome, signor. You are almost come to part almost afraid. We had liked to have had our two noses snapped off with two old men without teeth. Leonato and his brother. What thinkst thou? Had we fought, I doubt we should have been too young for them. In a false quarrel there is no true valour. I came to seek you both. We have been up and down to seek thee, for we are high-proof melancholy, and would fain of it beaten away. Wilt thou use thy wit? It is in my scabbard. Shall I draw it? Dost thou wear thy wit by thy side? Never any did so, though very many have been beside their wit. I will bid thee draw, as we do the minstrels. Draw to pleasure us. As I am an honest man, he looks pale. Art thou sick or angry? What? Courage, man. What though care killed a cat? Thou hast mettle enough in thee to kill care. Sir, I shall meet your wit in the career, and you charge it against me. I pray you choose another subject. Nay, then. Give him another staff. This last was broke cross. By this light he changes more and more. I think he be angry indeed. If he be, he knows how to turn his girdle. Shall I speak a word in your ear? God bless me from a challenge. Aside to Claudio. You are a villain. I jest not. I will make it good how you dare, with what you dare, and when you dare. Do me right, or I will protest your cowardice. You have killed a sweet lady, and her death shall fall heavy on you. Let me hear from you. Well, I will meet you, so I may have good cheer. What, a feast? A feast? I faith, I thank him. He hath bid me to a calf's head and a capon, the which, if I do not carve most curiously, say my knife's not. Shall I not find a woodcock too? Sir, your wit ambles well. It goes easily. 
I'll tell thee how Beatrice praised thy wit the other day. I said thou hadst a fine wit. True, she says, a fine little one. No, said I, a great wit. Right, said she, a great gross one. Nay, said I, a good wit. Just, said she, it hurts nobody. Nay, said I, the gentleman is wise. Certain, said she, a wise gentleman. Nay, said I, he hath the tongues. That I believe, said she, for he swore a thing to me on Monday night, which he forswore on Tuesday morning. There's a double tongue, there's two tongues. Thus did she an hour together transshape thy particular virtues. Yet at last she concluded with a sigh, Thou wast the properest man in Italy. For the which she wept heartily, and said she cared not. Yea, that she did. But yet, for all that, and if she did not hate him deadly, she would love him dearly. The old man's daughter told us all. All, all, and moreover, God saw him when he was hid in the garden. But when shall we set the savage bull's horns on the sensible Benedict's head? Yea, in text underneath. Here dwells Benedict, the married man. Fare you well, boy. You know my mind. I will leave you now to your gossip-like humour. You break jests as braggarts do their blades, which, God be thanked, hurt not. My lord, for your many courtesies I thank you. I must discontinue your company. Your brother the bastard is fled from Messina. You have among you killed a sweet and innocent lady. For my lord Lackbeard there, he and I shall meet. Until then, peace be with him. Exit. He is in earnest. In most profound earnest, and I'll warrant you for the love of Beatrice. And hath challenged thee? Most sincerely. What a pretty thing man is when he goes in his doublet and hose and leaves off his wit. He is then a giant to an ape. But then is an ape a doctor to such men. But soft you, let me be. Pluck up my heart and be sad. Did he not say my brother was fled? Enter Dogberry, Verges, and the Watch, with Conrad and Baraccio. Come, you, sir, if justice cannot tame you, she shall ne'er weigh more reasons in her balance. Nay, and you be a cursing hypocrite once, you must be looked to. How now? Two of my brother's men bound, Baraccio one. Hearken after their offence, my lord. Officers, what offence have these men done? Uh, marry, sir, they have committed false report. Moreover, they have spoken untruths. Secondarily, they are slanders. Sixth and lastly, they have belied a lady. Thirdly, they have verified unjust things. And to conclude, they are lying knaves. First, I ask thee what they have done. Thirdly, I ask thee what's their offense. Sixth and lastly, why they are committed. And to conclude, what you lay to their charge. Rightly reasoned, and in his own diversion. And, by my troth, there's one meaning well suited. Who have you offended, masters, that you are thus bound to your answer? This learned constable is too cunning to be understood. What's your offence? Sweet prince, let me go no further to mine answer. Do you hear me, and let this count kill me? I have deceived even your very eyes. What your wisdoms could not discover, these shallow fools have brought to light. 
who in the night overheard me confessing to this man how Don John, your brother, incensed me to slander the Lady Hero, how you were brought into the orchard and saw me court Margaret in Hero's garments, how you disgraced her when you should marry her, my villainy they have upon record, which I had rather seal with my death than repeat over to my shame. The lady is dead upon mine and my master's false accusation, and— Briefly, I desire nothing but the reward of a villain. Runs not this speech like iron through your blood? I have drunk poison whilst he uttered it. But did my brother set thee on to this? Yea, and paid me richly for the practice of it. He is composed and framed of treachery, and fled he is upon this villainy. Sweet hero, now thy image doth appear in the rare semblance that I loved it first. Come. Bring away the plaintiffs. By this time our sexton hath reformed Signor Leonardo of the matter, and masters do not forget to specify when time and place shall serve that I am an ass. Here, here comes Master Signor Leonardo and the sexton too. Re-enter Leonardo, Antonio, and the sexton. Which is the villain? Let me see his eyes, that when I note another man like him I may avoid him. Which of these is he? If you would know your wronger, look on me. Art thou the slave that with thy breast has killed mine innocent child? Yea, even I alone. No, not so, villain. Thou beliest thyself. Here stand a pair of honourable men, a third is fled that had a hand in it. I thank you, princes, for my daughter's death. Record it with your high and worthy deeds. Twas bravely done, if you bethink you of it. I know not how to pray your patience. Yet I must speak. Choose your revenge yourself. Impose me to what penance your invention can lay upon my sin. Yet sinned I not, but am mistaking. By my soul nor I. And yet to satisfy this good old man I would bend under any heavy weight that he'll enjoin me to. I cannot bid you bid my daughter live. That were impossible. But I pray you both, possess the people in Messina here how innocent she died. And if your love can labor aught in sad invention... Hang her an epitaph upon her tomb, and sing it to her bones. Sing it to-night. To-morrow morning come you to my house, and since you could not be my son-in-law, be yet my nephew. My brother hath a daughter, almost a copy of my child that's dead, and she alone is heir to both of us. Give her the right you should have given her cousin, and so dies my revenge. Oh, noble sir, your overkindeth doth wring tears from me. I do embrace your offer, and dispose for henceforth of poor Claudio. Tomorrow, then, I will expect your coming. Tonight I take my leave. This naughty man shall face to face be brought to Margaret, who I believe was packed in all this wrong, hired to it by your brother. No, by my soul she was not, nor knew not what she did when she spoke to me, but always hath been just and virtuous in anything that I do know by her. Moreover, sir, which indeed is not under white and black, this plaintiff here, the offender, did call me ass. I beseech you, let it be remembered in his punishment. And also, the watch heard them talk of one deformed. They say he wears a key in his ear and a lock hanging by it, and borrows money in God's name, the which he hath used so long and never paid, that now men grow hard-hearted and will lend nothing for God's sake. Pray you, examine him upon that point. I thank thee for thy care and honest pains. Your worship speaks like a most thankful and reverend youth, and I praise God for you. There's for thy pains. God save the foundation. Go. I discharge thee of thy prisoner, and I thank thee. I leave an errant knave with your worship, which I beseech your worship to correct yourself for the example of others. 
God keep your worship. I wish your worship well. God restore you to health. I humbly give you leave to depart, and if a merry meeting may be wished, God prohibit it. Come, neighbor. Exeunt, Dogberry, and Verges. Until tomorrow morning, lords, farewell. We will not fail. Tonight I'll mourn with Hero. Exeunt, Don Pedro, and Claudio. To the watch. Bring you these fellows on. We'll talk with Margaret how her acquaintance grew with this lewd fellow. Exeunt. Scene two. Leonato's garden. Enter Benedict and Margaret. Meeting. Pray thee, sweet Mistress Margaret, deserve well at my hands by helping me to the speech of Beatrice. Will you then write me a sonnet in praise of my beauty? In so high a style, Margaret, that no man living shall come over it, for in most comely truth thou deservest it. To have no man come over me? Why shall I always keep below stairs? Hmm, thy wit is as quick as the greyhound's mouth. It catches. And yours as blunt as the fencer's foils, which hit but hurt not. Oh, a most manly wit, Margaret. It will not hurt a woman. And so I pray thee, call Beatrice. I give thee the bucklers. Give us the swords. We have bucklers of our own. If you use them, Margaret, you must put in the pikes with a vice, and they are dangerous weapons for maids. Well, I will call Beatrice to you, who I think hath legs. And therefore will come. Exit Margaret. <coughs> the god of love that sits above and knows me and knows me how pitiful I deserve. I mean in singing, but in loving, Leander the good swimmer, Troilus the first employer of panders, and a whole book full of those quondam carpet-mongers, whose names yet run smoothly in the even road of a blank verse, why, they were never so truly turned over and over as my poor self in love. Mary, I cannot show it in rhyme. I have tried. I can find out no rhyme to lady, but baby, an innocent rhyme. For scorn, horn, a hard rhyme. For school, fool, a babbling rhyme. <laughs> Very ominous endings. No, I was not born under a rhyming planet, nor I cannot woo in festival terms. Enter Beatrice. Sweet Beatrice, wouldst thou come when I called thee? Yea, Signor, and depart when you bid me. Oh, stay but till then. Then is spoken. Fare you well now. And yet, ere I go, let me go with that I came for, which is with knowing what hath passed between you and Claudio. Only foul words, and thereupon I will kiss thee. Foul words is but foul wind, and foul wind is but foul breath and foul breath is noisome. Therefore I will depart unkissed. Oh, thou hast frighted the word out of his right sense, so forcible as thy wit. But I must tell thee plainly. Claudio undergoes my challenge, and either I must shortly hear from him, or I will subscribe him a coward. And I pray thee now, tell me, 
For which of my bad parts didst thou first fall in love with me? For them altogether which maintain so politic a state of evil, that they will not admit any good part to intermingle with them. But for which of my good parts did you first suffer love for me? <laughs> suffer love? A good epithet! I do suffer love, indeed, for I love thee against my will. In spite of your heart, I think. Alas, poor heart! If you spite it for my sake, I will spite it for yours, for I will never love that which my friend hates. <laughs> Thou and I are too wise to woo peaceably. It appears not in this confession. There is not one wise man among twenty that will praise himself. An old, an old instance, Beatrice, that lived in the time of good neighbours. If a man do not erect in this age his own tomb ere he dies, he shall live no longer in monument than the bell rings and the widow weeps. And how long is that, think you? Question. Why, an hour in clamour and a quarter in room. Therefore is it most expedient for the wise, if Don Worm his conscience find no impediment to the contrary, to be the trumpet of his own virtues, as I am to myself. So much for praising myself, who I myself will bear witness, is praiseworthy. And now tell me, how doth your cousin? Very ill. And how do you? Very ill, too. Serve God, love me, and mend. There will I leave you two, for here comes one in haste. Enter Ursula. Madam, you must come to your uncle. Yonder's old coil at home. It is proved my lady hero hath been falsely accused. The prince and Claudio mightily abused, and Don John is the author of all, who is fled and gone. Will you come presently? Will you go hear this news, signor? I will live in thy heart, die in thy lap, and be buried in thy eyes, and, moreover, I will go with thee to thy uncle's. Exeunt. Scene three. The inside of a church. Enter Don Pedro, Claudio, and attendants, with music and tapers. Is this the monument of Leonato? It is, my lord. Reads from a scroll. Done to death by slanderous tongues, was the hero that lies here. Death, in guerdon of her wrongs, gives her fame which never dies. So the life that died with shame lives in death with glorious fame. Hang thou there, upon the tomb, praising her when I am dumb. Now music, sound, and sing your solemn hymn. Pardon, goddess of the night, those that slew thy virgin knight, from the witch with songs of woe, Round about her tomb they go. Midnight, assist our moan, Help us to sigh and groan, Heavily, heavily. Graves, yawn and yield your dead, Till death be uttered, Heavily, heavily. Now, until thy bones, good night, Yearly will I do this right. Good morrow, masters, Put your torches out. The wolves have prayed. And look the gentle day before the wheels of Phoebus round about dapples the drowsy east with spots of grey. Thanks to you all, and leave us. Fare you well. Good morrow, masters. Each his several way. Come, let us hence, and put on other weeds, and then to Leonato's we will go. And Hymen now with luckier issue speeds, than this for whom we rendered up this woe. 
Exeunt. Scene 4. A room in Leonato's house. Enter Leonato, Antonio, Benedict, Beatrice, Margaret, Ursula, Friar Francis, and Hero. Did I not tell you she was innocent? So are the prince and Claudio, who accused her upon the error that you heard debated. But Margaret was in some fault for this, as it appears in the true course of all the question. Well, I am glad that all things sort so well. And so am I, being else by faith and forced to call young Claudio to a reckoning for it. Well, daughter, and you, gentlewoman, all, withdraw into a chamber by yourselves, and when I send for you, come hither masked. The prince and Claudio promised by this hour to visit me. Exeunt ladies. You know your office, brother. You must be father to your brother's daughter, and give her to young Claudio. Which I do, with confirmed countenance. Uh, friar, I must entreat your pains, I think. To do what, signor? Uh, to bind me, or undo me, one of them. Signor Leonato, truth it is, good signor, your niece regards me with an eye of favor. That eye my daughter lent her, tis most true. And I do with an eye of love requite her. The sight whereof I think you had from me, from Claudio and the prince. But what's your will? Your answer, sir, is enigmatical. But for my will, my will is your good will may stand with ours, this day to be conjoined in the state of... Honourable marriage, in which, good friar, I shall desire your help. My heart is with your liking. And my help. Here comes the prince and Claudio. Enter Don Pedro and Claudio with attendants. Good morrow to this fair assembly. Good morrow, prince. Good morrow, Claudio. We here attend you. Are you yet determined today to marry with my brother's daughter? I'll hold my mind. Were she an Ethiop? Call her forth, brother. Here is the friar ready. Exit Antonio. Good morrow, Benedict. Why, what's the matter that you have such a February face, so full of frost, of storm and cloudiness? I think he thinks upon the savage bull. Tush, fear not, man. Bull tip thy horns with gold, and all Europa shall rejoice at thee, as once Europa did at lusty Jove, when he would play the noble beast in love. Bull Jove, sir, had an amiable low, and some such strange bull leaped your father's cow, and got a calf in that same noble feet, much like to you, for you have just his bleat. For this I owe you. Here comes other reckonings. Re-enter Antonio, with the ladies masked. Which is the lady I must seize upon? Why, then, she's mine. Sweet, let me see your face. No, that you shall not, till you take her hand before this friar, and swear to marry her. Give me your hand. Before this holy friar I am your husband, if you like of me. And when I lived, I was your other wife. Unmasking. And when you loved, you were my other husband. Another hero. Nothing certainer. One hero died defiled, but I do live, and surely as I live, I am a maid. The former hero... Hero that is dead. She died, my lord, but whiles her slander lived. All this amazement can I qualify, when after that the holy rites are ended, I'll tell you largely of fair hero's death. Meanwhile, let wonder seem familiar, and to the chapel let us presently. Soft and fair, friar. Which is Beatrice? Unmasking. I answer to that name. What is your will? Do not you love me? 
Why, no, no more than reason. Why, then, your uncle and the prince and Claudio have been deceived, for they swore you did. Do not you love me? Troth, no, no more than reason. Why, then my cousin, Margaret, and Ursula are well deceived, for they did swear that you did. They swore that you were almost sick for me. They swore that you were well-nigh dead for me. Tis no such matter. Then you do not love me? No, truly, but in friendly recompense. Come, cousin, I am sure you love the gentleman. And I'll be sworn upon it that he loves her, for he has a paper written in his hand, a halting sonnet of his own pure brain, fashioned to Beatrice. And here's another, writ in my cousin's hand, stolen from her pocket, containing her affection unto Benedick. A miracle! Here's our own hands against our hearts. Come, I will have thee. But by this light I take thee for pity. I would not deny you, but by this good day, I yield upon great persuasion, and partly to save your life, for I was told you were in a consumption. Peace! I will stop your mouth. Kisses her. I'll tell thee what, Prince. A college of witcrackers cannot flout me out of my humour. Dost thou think I care for a satire or an epigram? No. If man will be beaten with brains, I shall wear nothing handsome about him. In brief, since I do purpose to marry, I will think nothing to any purpose that the world can say against it, and therefore never flout at me for what I have said against it. For man is a giddy thing. And this is my conclusion. For thy part, Claudio, I did think to have beaten thee. But in that thou art like to be my kinsman, live unbruised, and love my cousin. I had well hoped thou wouldst have denied Beatrice, that I might have cudgelled thee out of thy single life, to make thee a double-dealer, which, out of question, thou wilt be, if my cousin do not look exceedingly narrowly to thee. Come, come, we are friends. Let's have a dance ere we are married, that we may lighten our own hearts and our wives' heels. We'll have dancing afterward. First of my word, therefore play, music. Prince, thou art sad. Get thee a wife. Get thee a wife. There is no staff more reverent than one tipped with horn. Enter Messenger. My lord, your brother John is ta'en in flight, and brought with armed men back to Messina. Think not on him till to-morrow. I'll devise thee brave punishments for him. Strike up, pipers! Dance. Exeunt. End of Act 5. End of Much Ado About Nothing by William Shakespeare.